Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, is this the only show where we keep up with what's happening with our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia? I mean, the only one in this country. And by this country, I mean the United States of America. It it may well be. But, no, oh, I think in Canada they're they're keeping track. Foreign Affairs Minister of Canada Christia Freeland's department, which I guess would be the Department of Foreign Affairs, says she's deeply concerned that Saudi Arabia's rulers, you know, the royal family, the princes, appear to be deploying Canadian-made armored vehicles in an escalating conflict, not with the Houthi tribesmen in Yemen. We know about U.S. and British military equipment being used in that battle. No, an escalating conflict with Saudi citizens. Sit down for this. Are you? Oh, you are. Freeland has asked officials to investigate the matter. The, the Globe and Mail of Toronto reported Friday on the apparent use of Canadian-made combat vehicles in Saudi Arabia's violence-plagued eastern province. Who knew? Video footage and photos have surfaced on social media, apparently showing the Islamic Kingdom using Canadian weaponized equipment against Saudi citizens, Saudi civilians. Military equipment experts consulted by the Globe and Mail, or just the Globe, identified, they, they didn't use the mail, identified the machines as appearing in these videos as Gurkha RPVs, produced right there in Canada, made in Canada by Teradyne. The minister is deeply concerned about this situation. If it is found that Canadian exports have been used to commit serious violations of human rights, the minister will take action, unquote, the Canadian ministry. Sunni-dominated regime, of course, is predominant in Saudi Arabia, the royal family and, and their followers. But militants from the Shia minority, which I didn't realize they had in Saudi Arabia, I thought they'd wipe them out. I mean, I didn't know they had them, uh, are in the Al-Khatif region. This may be why the Saudis are so on tenterhooks about the uh, Iranians, you think? The government is actively seeking more information about Saudi Arabia's current efforts to deal with its security challenges, said the uh, department, the Canadian spokesperson. Also trying to find more information about civilian casualties. The House of Saud's use of combat machines against its Shia population goes to the heart of the controversy of where, over whether the Canadian government is violating Canada's weapons export control rules. Fortunately, we don't have those. Just sell them. Canada's export control rules call for restrictions on arms exports to countries that have poor human rights records and a record of serious violations of the human rights of their citizens. Shipments are supposed to be blocked if there's a chance the buyer could use the arms against its own population. In recent days, a fight between the Sunni-dominated regime and minority Shia dissidents in the eastern province has grown more violent with heavy crackdowns by the regime. The Saudis have brought in more weaponry to bolster their tactical forces. Videos and photos circulated by Shia activists show these additional assets include those Teradyne vehicles, a retired Canadian general who spoke on condition of anonymity, also identified those vehicles, Teradyne's president, Durward Smith. Hey, when's the last time you met a Durward? He didn't immediately respond to email and telephone requests. Canada says a statement by the government is concerned by the escalating violence in eastern Saudi Arabia, which has resulted in civilian casualties. We recognize that Saudi Arabia faces security challenges. Hey, who doesn't? 
Al-Khatif, the area, has long been described by experts as an area under lockdown. It's a hotbed of opposition to the reigning House of Saud. The Saudis frequently cite terror threats when they go after the militants in the area. You're a terrorist. No, you're a terrorist. Our freedom-loving... Now, ladies and gentlemen, this time, it really is different. I know there were debt problems that led to uh, the big meltdown of the economy in 2008. But this time, no, it can't because debt problems seen in in the run-up to the financial crisis are rearing their heads again. That's according to a uh, the head of the Business Select Committee of the House of Commons in Britain. The um, head of the committee says regulators need to be forever vigilant. Oh, come on. Those power naps are the best. She echoed the Bank of England, which warned earlier this week of a sharp rise in household debt and car loans. Well, we had a story about subprime car loans a little while ago on this broadcast, but yeah, you were listening. And, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, that very thin manila folder of Trump administration accomplishments so far has just gotten a little thinner. You know, the uh, President Trump made the promise to approve the Keystone XL pipeline and get it built. And... Uh, he swept away Obama administration regulations that had stymied the building of the pipeline. So the company that was going to build it, Trans Trans Canada, there's that Canada again, got a permit to build it. Now they're saying they might not build it after all. An executive of the company told investors it's still assessing how much interest there is in the pipeline among oil companies that would pay to use the line. It goes from Canada to Texas, as well as seeking regulatory approvals. It will decide in November or December whether, in fact, to build it. So it's a it's a it's a, an accomplishment in the uh, pending file. And would you say, I would, and I'm hello, welcome to the show.
From sunny Southern California, from the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we so rarely lead off the program with the Apologies of the Week, and we will. Superstar rapper Rick Ross, I'm just going to call him rapper Rick Ross, apologized this week for comments he made during a recent interview on a New York City radio show regarding female employees. He was questioned about the lack of women signed to his hip-hop record label since its founding. 
in uh, eight, eight years ago. The clean version of his reply was, I never did it because I always thought like I would end up having sex with a female rapper and messing the business up. He continued laughing while imagining the situation. I'm so focused on my business. I just, I got to be honest with you, you know, she looking good. I'm spending so much money on photo shoots. I got to have sex a couple times. Comments sparked a wave of outrage on social media. Ross, who released a record some time back called God Forgives I Don't, went to Facebook to apologize for his comments. I want to address an insensitive comment I made on a very sensitive issue, especially in a minority-dominated industry like hip-hop. The note began. He added that his entire empire's background, backbone, sorry, but his word empire, is led by his mother and sister. My comment is not a re- not reflection of my beliefs on the issue, a mistake I regret. I hope to use my mistake, my platform, and the community to create positive discussion to implement change on a very important issue. Respect for the ones who stand up to say, hey, that isn't right. Now is to, it's time to accept responsibility and all do better. Unquote. He concluded by plugging his upcoming reality show on which contestants battle for an opportunity to sign with his music, his record company. That's a plug apology, ladies and gentlemen. The Imam of the Islamic Center of Davis, California, apologized for a sermon he delivered last week in which he prayed for the annihilation of those responsible for closing the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, the third holiest site in Islam. His remarks were condemned by critics as anti-Semitic. A clip of Davis Imam Amar Shaheen's sermon was published on Breitbart. I do understand how my words were hurtful, and I am sorry, Shaheen said in a news conference. He did not take questions. You know, Trumpian-style news conference. I understand that speech like this can encourage others to do hateful and violent acts, and for this I truly apologize. Words matter and have consequences. He pronounced consequences correctly. Rabbi Seth Castleman said he accepted the apology but asked the imam to follow his words with actions. Castleman was one of approximately 60 religious and civic leaders who attended the news conference. Like a party! Deadline Mucharest, the patriarch of Romania's Romania's Orthodox Church has apologized to Orthodox believers over two sex scandals that have hit the church in recent weeks. In a highly unusual step, Patriarch Daniel asked for forgiveness with much pain in my heart. Speaking through a message posted on the church website, he apologized for the turbulence produced by public accusations against clerics who have shown, quote, deviations from Christian morals, unquote. In recent years, public criticism has mounted against the church. There have been calls to make it more accountable. Daniel's message came after the church voted hours earlier to defrock a priest who is suspected of trying to sexually corrupt a teenager, a rare case of a cleric being disciplined for alleged sexual misdemeanors. More than 85% of Romanians are Orthodox Christians. Apparently some of the priests aren't Orthodox enough. Dateline Tokyo, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has apologized to the nation over the resignation of Defense Minister Tomomi Amada, Inada saying he bore full responsibility for appointing her to the post. Speaking to reporters, Abe said the foreign minister would take additional charge of the defense portfolio. Uh, Inada said she was resigning after a series of gaffes, missteps, and a cover-up at her ministry that have contributed to a plunge in public support for Abe. She was like the Reince Priebus of Japan. Dayline London, Chelsea, the Chelsea Football Club, apologized to China for social media comments by Brazilian player Kennedy, which it accepted had caused great offense and hurt the feelings of China during the Premier League Champions preseason tour of China. 
before the soccer season begins again and again and again. The 21-year-old Kennedy has been strongly reprimanded and disciplined for the Instagram posts, according to Chelsea Football Club. The since-deleted messages featured a profanity relating to China, hmm, and a message mocking a security guard he photographed. Kennedy's actions were a mistake that he will learn greatly from. And we'll say, you do know, do you not, that in Great Britain, the Cockney accent affected by Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins, the movie, has become a legendary laughingstock. Tom? A legendary laughingstock? Mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke is really sorry now, it turns out. He's going to receive the Britannia Award for Excellence in Television from the Los Angeles Division of the British Film Organization, BAFTA. In response to being given the award, Van Dyke responded, best way to be in response, by saying he was looking forward to receiving it and also issuing an official apology. I appreciate this opportunity to apologize to the members of BAFTA for inflicting on them the most atrocious Cockney accent in the history of cinema, unquote. Now, if the entire cast of The Big Easy would just... Blizzard warnings for big cities along the East Coast, a massive earthquake in Sumatra, deadly pileups in Arkansas because of dense fog. An extremely busy morning in the world of weather and science, if those events all happened Friday. And you were told they all did happen Friday if you followed the breaking news alerts on the Weather Channel app. A technical issue resurfaced several of the articles which on which breaking news alerts were sent in the past few years. For any confusion that occurred, the Weather Channel sincerely apologized. Niantic's inability to make Pokemon Go work properly is becoming legend among people who care. Basically, if something can go wrong, it will. There was a lot of wrong at the high-profile Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago last weekend. Such a mess that a few dozen players have filed a class-action lawsuit against Niantic, alleging false advertising. Yeah, you'd be a lawyer proud to take that case, wouldn't you? The plaintiffs are demanding Niantic compensate them for travel to the festival, which turned out to be an unmitigated disaster in their opinion. One Jonathan Norton retained a lawyer in Chicago to handle the case. Norton traveled from California to attend Pokemon Go Fest with the understanding he'd be able to play the game and catch rare Pokemon. He was far from the only out-of-towner to show up. They were unable to play the game at all during the event. But they got to our politics. Niantic has apologized for the situation. The Saskatoon Health Region in Canada has apologized to indigenous women who felt coerced into surgery that prevented them from bearing more children. The agency commissioned an independent report earlier this year after women complained they were pressured by medical staff and social workers after giving birth in hospital to have a tubal ligation. I'm sorry you were not treated with the respect, the compassion, and all of the support you needed and deserved, said a health region vice president. Women started coming forward to the media couple years ago. Most of the women didn't understand that tubal ligation was permanent, thinking it was a form of birth control that could be reversed in the future, according to a report on the situation. The BBC has issued an an apology after the millionaire boss of a plumbing firm. How do you become a millionaire running a plumbing firm? Your guys are really clean. Uh, That millionaire boss of a plumbing firm called the leader of the Labor Party, Jeremy Corbyn, a twat during a radio discussion about Brexit. Charlie Mullins, the boss of Pimlico Palmers, was being interviewed when the host asked if the U.K. should try to remain part of the single European market after leaving 
the European Union. The Labour leader has been opposed to that. Mullins replied, of course we should be staying in. Jeremy Corbett's... And he repeated the word there. Martha Carney immediately apologized, saying, well, we'll definitely leave it there. Apologies to Jeremy Corbyn for the language used. By the way, in, in Britain, it's pronounced with the broad A. Facing an angry backlash from parents and former members, the chief executive of the Boy Scouts of America apologized on Thursday for political remarks made by President Trump at the organization's National Jamboree this week. In the speech, as you may have seen clips, Trump crowed over his election victory. Hey, thank goodness Hillary Clinton isn't focusing on the uh, last year's election anymore, except in her latest memoir, which will be out in September, called What Happened? Question mark. Trump also attacked the news media and criticized Clinton and former President Obama. Michael Serbaugh, the organization's chief, said in a statement, it was never our intent for the National Jamboree to become a venue for partisan political attacks. I want to extend my sincere apologies to those in our scouting family who were offended by the political rhetoric that was inserted into the Jamboree. Ouch. We sincerely regret that politics were inserted into the scouting program. Do you remember that incredible night with the maps? Trump asked the crowd of mostly under-voting-age attendees. They probably didn't stay up late on election night either. Trump's remarks prompted an immediate and scathing backlash against the scouts who were suffering from a steep decline in membership and cultural relevance after a years-long period in which they drew national headlines, mainly for their hostility to the prospect of openly gay or transgender members. Maybe that's why Trump spoke there. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Speaking of the president, of course... A tumultuous week in the White House and environs. The president's continued taunting, apparently, or at least criticisms in public, of Attorney General Jeff Sessions, the first Republican senator ever to endorse President Trump. Some testimony, actually private testimony, that we were initially anticipating being public this week, this past week, from uh, family members, from Paul Manafort, former campaign manager. There was uh, the president's announcement by tweet that transgender members of the military would not be allowed to serve henceforth, although the Pentagon reportedly has not received anything resembling, you know, law or regulations or executive orders on that. But they do have the tweet. Um, on the subject of which, after Anthony Scaramucci gave a uh, scatological interview to Ryan Litza of The New Yorker, much worse criticism of Priebus and Steve Bannon, much more uh, salacious criticism, shall we say, than uh, that guy's criticism of Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, And within hours, Reince Priebus either resigned or was resigned. Uh, He found out, or the public at least found out, that he was being replaced via Twitter. And, uh, of course, the president weighed in on a large number of other subjects via Twitter this week. It almost makes one wonder whether there's a... A voicemail message on the machine of uh, Twitter President Jack Dorsey just about now. 
Hi, you've reached Jack Dorsey at Twitter. I'd love to engage with you right now, but uh, I'm busy engaging with the other company I run, Square, that may actually make a profit someday. So do me a solid and reach out via voicemail at the sound of the tweet. Thanks. And don't forget to DM me, too. Is that beep? Jack! Whoever you got to listen to these messages and get through to you, listen, I know what it's like. Ivanka used to screen mine before the thing. It's Don! Don, I'd say Don who, but you know who. It's just your best customers all. Someone who puts your platform on the front page every single day with no help, I might add, from any of the terrific people at your company, mainly because I don't need their help. Look, you and I both know nothing's been better for your brand than my tweeting with the possible exception of Kanye hooking up with the Kardashian girl, which, by the way, many people tell me that whole thing is a PR deal that's coming to a crashing end. But look, the last thing I want to do is waste the time of the head of Twitter with stupid gossip. Here's the deal, Jack. I don't have to tell you how many millions of Twitter followers I have. You've got the data. You're not an idiot. Now forget about Facebook. They're, they're like McDonald's and Twitter. Twitter's like the sad little food truck with the artesian cheese on its burgers, but... So many people have told me that Snapchat has now pulled ahead of Twitter and total followers, which to me is like you're being decimated. It's a disaster. And you know I like your service. I use it two, three dozen times a day whenever I have what I call a, a long john, and I love it. Twitter, that is. I hate wasting all that time on the crapper. You know, if I could just take a pill and never have to do that again. Anyway, look. I don't want to take my 18 million followers, or whatever number, over to Snapchat. That's not my thing. But you know, look, you're a businessman. I'm a businessman. I mean, I'm president now, but still. Is this machine going to keep recording? What? Anyway, you know how all the states are giving incentives for movie companies to go make movies or TV shows in their states. It's horrible, and I hate it. But really, Jack, if you're smart... That's the sort of deal you should be doing with your power users. And I have to say, am I the power user of all power users or what, right? So, okay, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't want to do a heavy number on you, believe me. I love Twitter. I want to keep tweeting. So it, it's just a simple question. What's my staying on Twitter worth to you, worth to Twitter, and to my 18 or whatever million followers? I mean, it's a question. We have people who have figured it out at our end. We can share that data with you. Don Jr. can get it over to you. Just make sure there aren't any Russians in your office. Is that a witch hunt or what? <laughs> Look, I'm very reachable. I hate to go over to Snapchat. It's a horrible service. Their interface is a disaster. And here's the thing. All the money would go to Don's charity to save the elephant because they're disappearing before he could even shoot them. So it's for a good cause. And every time the failing media, who are just collapsing like Obamacare, every time they mention my name and the word tweet in the same sentence, it's got to be worth something to somebody. That's what Moot says. This is his idea, so don't blame me. But look, you're a smart person. You know what to do. You don't want to piss off the frigging president of the, of the United Frigging States, right? Because nobody needs to hear failing Twitter every day, believe me. Okay. Let's make this happen. This isn't healthcare. This really is easy. All right. Please hang this up for me, honey. I have. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for me to read the trades for you. This week's lucky trade Security Week. That should make you feel better. Critical vulnerabilities found in nuke plant radiation monitors. Just relax. I'll read it for you. Won't I? You know I will. 
Because that's how I do. Dayline Las Vegas researchers have discovered multiple unpatched vulnerabilities in different radiation monitoring devices that could be leveraged by attackers to reduce personnel safety, personnel safety, delay detection of radiation leaks, or help international smuggling of radioactive material. In a paper delivered by Ruben Santamarta, principal security consultant at a Seattle-based firm at the Black Hat Hackers Conference in Vegas, it was disclosed that radiation monitors supplied by Ludlam, Miriam, and Digi contain multiple vulnerabilities. Patching will be difficult since these are design flaws rather than software bugs. And the, the vendor's early response to the discoveries was, in each case, to decline to work on patches. We should conclude these issues are not currently patched, says the security firm, IOActive. So increasing awareness of the possibility of such attacks will help to mitigate the risks, unquote. It's likely that the same flaws will be present in other vendors' radiation monitoring devices. Well, that's reassuring. There are many kinds of radiation monitor used in many different environments. IOActive con concentrated its research on portal monitors, the kind used at airports and seaports, and area monitors, the kind used at nuclear power plants, or NPPs. You call them that, don't you? However, little effort is, was required for the portal monitors. The initial analysis revealed a complete lack of security in these devices, so further testing wasn't necessary. In the personal monitors, or the, sorry, the personnel monitors, IOActive found a backdoor, pa pardon me, password that granted the highest privilege with this. Malicious personnel could bypass authentication and take control of the device, possibly preventing the triggering of proper alarms. Or even improper ones. I, in the gate monitor, IOActive discovered a complete lack of security in the communication between the gate and the controller Windows device. With these vulnerabilities, IOActive warns malicious actors, or just bad actors, or actors who don't pay their SAG dues, can perform a man-in-the-middle attack that alters the readings when the radioactive material they are interested in trafficking is detected. This would allow them to safely bypass these gate monitors while maintaining the compromised device in a working condition. Unquote. In fact, adequately resourced attackers could fine-tune their malware, says the security firm, to deploy an advanced payload that hides specific isotopes from detectors while providing the expected readings for others. Unquote. For area monitors used at nuclear power plants, the security firm found it could insert false information into the communications. Two worst-case scenarios occur. In the first, under normal working conditions, attackers could simulate a radiation, a radiation leak by inserting a data set of falsified readings. That's unlikely to cause a reactor shutdown because of the need for human intervention. It could lead to an evacuation of the site. In the second unpleasant scenario, in a real accident situation, the course of the evacuation could be manipulated Attackers could falsify these readings to trick authorities into giving the wrong directions for the evacuation. Being able to properly and accurately detect radiation levels is imperative in preventing harm to those at or near nuclear plants 
and other critical facilities, as well as for ensuring radioactive materials are not smuggled across borders, said Santa Maria, the researcher. Kind of restating the obvious. Always something useful to do when I read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this very broadcast. From the home of the homeless, this is the show. Now, news of AFPAC! 
He didn't lose his job, did he? <laughs> the guy who says news of APAC? I don't think so. The general in charge of U.S. forces in Afghanistan appeared to confirm this week that Russia is sending weapons to the Taliban. What a country. In Russia, Taliban send weapons to you. <clears throat> the uh, intervention will probably further complicate the uh, 15-year-old war and the Kremlin's relations with the United States. You think that war could get more complicated? When asked by reporter, Senator General John Nicholson did not dispute claims the Taliban is receiving weapons and other supplies from the Russians. We continue to get reports of this assistance, he said. We support anyone who wants to help us advance the reconciliation process, but anyone who arms belligerents who perpetrate attacks like the one we saw two days ago in Mazar al-Sharif is not the best way forward to a peaceful reconciliation. The general likes peace, don't you think? A senior U.S. military official said the Russians have increased their supply of equipment and small arms to the Taliban over the last 18 months. The uh, officials said the Russians have been sending weapons, including medium and heavy machine guns, under the guise that the material would be used to fight the Islamic State in eastern Afghanistan. Instead, the officials said the weapons were showing up in some of Afghanistan's southern provinces, areas with little Islamic State presence. That never happens with the weapons we send to fight Islam. Oh, you mean in I, Syria, I, mm. Nicholson has criticized Russia's contact with the Taliban, says it has given legitimacy to a group that has undermined the elected government in Kabul. Remarks came just at, days after the Taliban pulled off the single deadliest attack against Afghan security forces since the beginning of the war. But it is the summertime. A bipartisan group of American senators have sought enhanced cooperation with India in Afghanistan including increasing New Delhi's role in helping Afghan security forces, a move that, according to the Times of India, could annoy Pakistan. India is already one of the biggest providers of developmental assistance to war-torn Pakistan. The amendment seeks to increase India's role in assisting the Afghan security forces through logistics support, threat analysis, intelligence, materiel, and maintenance support. If passed by the Senate and implemented by the U.S. and India, the amendment, as we noted, could irk Pakistan as it opposes any Indian role in neighboring Afghanistan. Pakistan, by the way, long-time supporter of the Taliban, at least through its uh, intelligence service. At least that's what we read here. And according to the New York Times, President Trump, in searching for a reason to keep U.S. troops in Afghanistan, has latched onto a prospect that has tantalized previous administrations, Afghanistan's vast mineral wealth. His advisors and Afghan officials have told him it could be profitably extracted by Western companies. Stephen Feinberg is a billionaire financier who is informally advising Trump, <laughs> President Trump, on Afghanistan, is looking into ways to exploit the, co the country's minerals according to a person who's briefed him. Feinberg owns a large military contracting firm, DynCorp, which could play a role in guarding mines, which would be a major concern, given that some of Afghanistan's richest deposits are in areas controlled by the Taliban. A trillion dollars is the figure being tossed around. White House officials say that caught the attention of President Trump. That's how it looks from here. How does it look from over there? From Afghanistan Public Radio, we're going digital so you don't have to. 
from the abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul. Come for the checkpoints. Stay for the food. I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. We're Duck and Cluck, the Bird Brain Brothers. <laughs> and here's another edition of Karzai Talk. Today's program comes to you with the assistance of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm. Helping by staying out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more people should help that way. Ah, my dear younger brother. If wealthy foreigners stop coming over here, mm -hmm. what's going to happen to the stores in the Kabul airport upscale mall? One big Costco, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, my younger brother, mm. more Taliban attacks. Well, it's summertime, the height of the fighting season. Mm, yes, part of a geographical tragedy. Y you mean all the mountainous areas in which guerrilla units can easily hide? No, no, just being a landlocked country. Mm. If only we had the coastline, all those kids would be surfing. <laughs> I'm not sure they're allowed to get their beards wet. <laughs> Hello, you are on Karzaito. Hello, this is Natalia, long-time Russian lawyer with uh, murky government connections. Mm. First-time caller. You know, I have to say, it's been... 30-some years since we kicked the Russians out. Mm -hmm. We've had even worse wars ever since. It almost brings back warm feelings to hear that accent. Oh, are you getting nostalgic for Beatles borscht? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so, Natalia, mm -hmm. are you calling to offer me some derogatory information on my no-good brother? Pioneers in the recycling. Seriously, Hamid, I was calling to offer explanation of new Russian initiative to help Taliban fighters. Interesting. I heard this story about that just the other day on Fox News. No, you watch American channels? No, 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 no. Fox has a local channel now. Mm. This is where Oliver North ended up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Natalia, mm -hmm. why is Russia helping our Taliban adversaries? Yes, it would seem you have nothing in common with them except a taste for ill-fitting clothing. <laughs> <laughs> President Putin is playing large-scale geopolitical long game. Mm. Your country is but a piece on that game board. So he's trying to make common cause with our Pakistani friends and execute a pincer's maneuver against our country? Oh, that is a very sophisticated question, my dear brother. Yeah. Have you been reading political science? No, the back of a box of pincers. <laughs> As I understand our president's policy, mm -hmm. Russia has no intention to rule your country again. It's not even trying to help the Taliban retake power. Oh, well, now you're making me do something our format doesn't allow us to do. You mean be funny? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, ask a question of a caller. Ah. So, Natalia, mm -hmm. what is the point of Mr. Putin's policy? Um, when we were there, Americans bankrolled religious fanatics and guerrillas to fight against us. Mm -hmm. Our president is uh, just seizing opportunity to turn tables. Ah, what you might call beatless karma. <laughs> Well, <laughs> but Natalia, remember yes. what happened after Russia had to withdraw those fanatics and guerrillas, our American friends empowered, mm -hmm. became the terrorists who have bedeviled them ever since. Isn't your country little worried about that kind of blowback a few years down the road? Oh, that's an easy problem to solve. Really? 
Sure, Russia just gives our government enough firepower to kill all the Taliban they've been helping. Well, I have to admit that's the kind of solution that works best in this country. Lose, lose. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. She seemed nice. Typical Russian intel tradecraft. Really? You think she was sending feelers for possible compromising of us? No, probably just looking for a weak link to get herself some free tote bags. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you're on Karzai Talk. Hello, this is Rajiv, a long-time South Asian representative of the world's leading private quasi-military services. First time caller. Rajiv, welcome. Where are you calling from? Oh, where are you? would like me to be calling from? I'm here to serve you. Well, I'd like a nice time Aretto with an extra shot. <laughs> 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 Seriously, Rajiv, yes. when you say South Asia, I'm thinking you may be calling from somewhere just the other side of Pakistan. Uh, Hamid, if I may, your geographical perspicacity has not deserted you in broadcasting exile. He thinks that's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Rajiv, you mentioned quasi-military services. Yes. Are those like the uh, USO shows we used to see here with Drew Carey? Oh, he's one cancelled game show away from coming back. <laughs> <laughs> well, not like, uh, not quite like those shows. Mm. Um, my partners provide security and securifying for military and quasi-military competencies, which would enable other partners of mine and theirs to help your country export its mineral wealth. Oh, to where? Probably to some place that knows what to do with it. <laughs> it's not fair. Well, uh, uh, of course, that would be up to your government, and I'm, I'm, and I'm sure great amount of due diligence they would devote to uh, any such arrangement. Oh, if I know our government, there wouldn't be much diligence. But to be fair, plenty would be due. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rajiv, yeah. uh, running short on time, this Afghan life is coming up next with a full hour on goat polo. Do you have a question? Besides, what the hell is goat polo? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, obviously, any involvement by me on behalf of my partners or other partners to be partnered in the future mm -hmm. might result in some resentment on the part of your Pakistani neighbors. Oh, you mean because of the uh, the thing? The thing where the British moved out, drew a border, and told us you fight it out. Yes, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, both they and your country are nuclear powers. Oh, yes, I know. My partners provide security for their stockpiles. Uh -huh. And our Pakistani friends have just unhorsed the prime minister, so I would think this would be a perfect time to leverage your existing relationship with a more pecuniary lubricant. He means a bribe. <laughs> I, I know, but wasn't the ex-Prime Minister just deposed because of bribery? Oh, no, no, not quite. Dishonesty in not disclosing a possible conflict of interest. Mm. They don't usually crack down on bribery. Crack down? That's how I got my Toyota dealership in Raul Pindi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. We had help today from the people of Afghan Telecom. We hear you. What? I said, oh, will you stop? <laughs> In a minute, legal services for cars I talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Newcomb. I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. Join us next time we rerun this episode of Cars I Talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio. He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He
Maybe the weirdest story of the week, ladies and gentlemen, in a weird week, comes uh, via the Inspector General at the Department of Homeland Security. They conducted an audit saying that FEMA, the Emergency Management Agency, agency, should stop sending money to the city of New Orleans for repairing road and water system damage sustained during the flood it followed Hurricane Katrina and uh, the damage from Hurricane Rita in 2005. FEMA disagrees with the findings. The city of New Orleans plans to press forward with repairs. In order to get money from FEMA to repair its streets and sewer lines, the city had to prove the damage was caused directly by Hurricanes Katrina and Rita. After reviewing documents and consulting with engineers, FEMA agreed, giving the city $2.04 billion dollars a year and a half ago. But this audit by the Office of Inspector General at Homeland Security says New Orleans streets and sewers were in bad condition before the storms, so the city shouldn't have been eligible for the money. In the first place, it asks FEMA to stop giving money to the city for repairs. FEMA says it disagrees, standing by its decision. The Director of Federal Affairs for the city, Zach Butterworth, says it's pretty self-evident Katrina damaged our roads. It damaged our water, sewage, and drainage systems. 13 feet of water for three weeks. The idea that we're still having to prove that is unfortunate, unquote. Butterworth says the city has already spent about $350 million on repairs. The inspector general can't force FEMA to follow its recommendation to withhold the money. It's unclear the IG would appeal to higher-ranking officials since the Department of Homeland Security's chief is now missing in action because he's over at the White House. Butterworth says... The city plans to keep billing the feds, spending another $300 million on infrastructure repairs over the next year. The interesting thing about this story, ladies and gentlemen, is neither side, neither the city nor FEMA nor the uh, inspector general, seems to be able to take official cognizance of one significant fact. According to, I'm, you're going to recite this along with me if you've been regular listeners, According to two independent forensic invest, uh, engineering investigations, one from the University of California, Berkeley, one from Louisiana State University, the flooding of New Orleans was caused was a man-made catastrophe caused by the failure of the federally built hurricane protection system, so-called, failure in more than 51 places, failure occurring right about the time the hurricane first made landfall way south of New Orleans along the Mississippi Gulf Coast. But everybody's got to say it's because of the hurricane, because of the law, and argue about whether it's because of the hurricane when it was actually caused by the self-same federal government, specifically the United States Army Corps of Engineers. And now, news of bad banks. This week's Bad Bank, once again, our friends at Wells Fargo, not really our friends. New revelations of Wells Fargo and company spent years enrolling unknowing borrowers in costly auto insurance. Puts the bank under new pressure to answer for a months-long scandal over sales practices that have harmed millions of Americans, according to Reuters. 
Latest news, 800,000 Wells Fargo auto borrowers were improperly charged for insurance. That rattled investors, sending the stock down 2.6% on Friday. Oh, no. Wells stock is down. Shareholders, analysts, lawmakers, and consumer advocates demanded answers about how the situation manifested and why Wells Fargo did not disclose the problems sooner. Given the fact that there was existing turmoil already over phony deposit and credit card accounts opened in customers' names without their permission by the self-same bank. This is a full-blown scandal again, says New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer, who oversees pension funds that hold roughly 11 million Wells Fargo shares. It's unbelievable, outrageous, and yet quintessential Wells Fargo. This isn't just a corporate corporate debacle, he says. It's caused real human harm. Wells Fargo first became aware of potential problems a year ago when the auto lending business began receiving an unusually high number of complaints, according to the head of consumer lending. The auto insurance program was quickly suspended. The problem escalated to senior management and the board and regulators, said the spokesperson. Wells Fargo planned to delay public disclosure until it could notify affected customers and reimburse them. The problem with disclosing in the marketplace today or several months ago is customers start calling and asking when they're going to get their money, said the spokesperson. It's not a great customer experience to say, yeah, we'll get back to you, unquote. It's not a great customer experience to discover your bank has been cheating you either. Is it? He didn't comment on that. The New York Times reported 800,000 of of Wells Fargo's auto buyers were borrowers, sorry, were charged for insurance they did not need between January 2012 and July 2016. Wells will return $80 million to half a million customers who qualify for a refund. The other 230000 I guess, are out of, out of luck. Of course, under pressure to hit aggressive sales targets, thousands of employees at Wells signed up customers for deposit and credit card accounts without their permission or knowledge over a period of several years. As part of a regulatory settlement, Wells said as many as 2.1 million phony accounts were opened. A class action lawsuit against the bank puts the figure a bit higher, 3.5 million. Says a lawyer, the uh, auto insurance thing is likely to result in consumer litigation. And the New York City comptroller says the uh, bank has to refresh its board of directors. I'd like to buy them all a Coke. News of bad banks, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR Worldwide throughout Europe, the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant on the mighty 104 in Berlin, on the mighty Soho Radio in London, around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archive whenever you want at harryshare.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com. Available as a free podcast from iTunes, TuneIn.com, SoundCloud, Cyber Network, and WWNO.org. And it'd be just like me getting out of here on time if you'd agree to join me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Typical show. Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and exile in Hawaii. Desk. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless. <laughs>